Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Support for this podcast comes from the law firm Fenwick, supporting their clients' passion for tech and life sciences innovation online at fenwick.com. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. There are now more than 7,400 people hospitalized in California because of the coronavirus. That's a pandemic record and more than triple the number who were hospitalized just a month ago. Anthony Cardillo is an emergency room physician in Los Angeles and made this plea while talking to KABC television. We are back to back wall to wall with patients now in all of facilities throughout Los Angeles dealing with this surge. So please, you're hearing from a straight from a doctor who's working on the front lines. Please heed the warnings that we're all giving. As coronavirus cases surge, a new stay-at-home order takes effect today for Los Angeles County's 10 million residents. The order prohibits all public and private gatherings of people outside a single household. The exceptions are services at houses of worship and protests, which are cited as constitutionally protected rights. But as pandemic restrictions tighten, California could be getting its first shipment of coronavirus vaccines in a matter of weeks. Healthcare workers will be the first in line to receive it, but that first shipment may not be enough to vaccinate all of them. KQED's April Domboski reports. California has 2.4 million healthcare workers. But in this first round, the state is expecting to receive just one or two million vaccines. So who gets it first? A 60-year-old emergency room nurse or a 30-year-old home health aide? A hospital in South Los Angeles or a skilled nursing facility in Sacramento? These are the difficult decisions that we are wrestling with. L.A. Dr. Oliver Brooks is co-chairing the group in charge of writing the state's guidelines. He's meeting once a week with an advisory group of 70 community organizations to get input. We want to prioritize equity. Brooks says there are a few factors they're considering in how to distribute the vaccine. The type of the facility. Like maybe acute care hospitals get it before dental offices. The location of the facility. Maybe hospitals in low-income neighborhoods get it before wealthier areas. If you do that, then who gets the vaccine there? So what personal characteristics would we look at? Occupation, age, gender. Maybe nurses who are older and more at risk of complications from COVID get it before younger workers. Maybe paramedics get it before janitors. Brooke says they have to get detailed if they want to be fair. I want to underscore we're having this discussion because there won't be enough vaccine for everyone. Of course, this is just the beginning. After the state develops a plan for healthcare workers, it will have to decide how to allocate vaccines among the elderly, 
essential workers, prison inmates, teachers, children, and everyone else. For the California Report, I'm April Dimbaski. This year, California legislators passed a law banning the retail sale of flavored tobacco products in the state as a way to stop young people from getting hooked on the products. Well, now a coalition backed by the tobacco industry says it's collected more than a million voter signatures to place a referendum on the November 2022 ballot that, if passed, would overturn the flavored tobacco ban. In the short term, if the state determines enough signatures were gathered to qualify the referendum, the new law, set to take effect on January 1st, would be suspended until the election. The group behind the referendum, with the innocuous-sounding name the California Coalition for Fairness, is bankrolled by such companies as Philip Morris USA and R.J. Reynolds Tobacco, to the tune of over $20 million. Critics of the referendum say it's yet another example of big tobacco trying to profit off of addiction and corporate interests using California's initiative and referendum process to undercut laws passed by the legislature. In this month's election, Stockton Mayor Michael Tubbs lost his campaign for re-election. His defeat was a surprise to many, and in part attributed to how he was covered in a controversial Stockton news blog. Cap Radio's race and equity reporter Sarah Mises Tan looks at what happens when a community loses its trust in news sources and residents go to other places for information. Okay, and we're just opening up the paper here. <laughs> I'll let Jim hold the other side. First, Dr. residents, okay. Julie Shard and her husband, Jim, reading the city's main newspaper, The Record, has always been how the couple keeps up with the community. But in the past few years, they've watched as it's dwindled to what it is today. Out of the whole, pe- the whole paper, one, two, three, four. Four of the stories out of however many are here. In some ways, Stockton is no different from many communities around the country who've been seeing the slow gutting of local news. In 2017, the record laid off about a third of its reporting staff. And Julie Shard says the paper's coverage has never been the same. And it's um, it's disheartening to, you know, not to be able to hear stories about what's happening here. Now, a new source has come to prominence. It's called 209 Times, an online website and Facebook page that has nearly 100,000 followers. Mo Takuzoma Sanchez is the founder and says just because the record stopped covering the community as thoroughly doesn't mean things aren't still happening in Stockton. The news is there. So it's not like to, to describe it as a desert is inaccurate. But what was happening specifically with the record was that they were anemic in their reporting when it came to investigative journalism. 209 Times delivers a lot of basic community news, like crime and traffic. But what sets it apart from other media sources is that Sanchez openly admits he has an agenda, and he doesn't care if people accuse him of not always getting the facts right. Earlier this year, 209 Times published several long stories about local politicians, including Stockton Mayor Michael Tubbs. Sanchez even takes credit for taking Tubbs down this election. So we always admit and acknowledge our bias, and that's that's where we're different from uh, the record. Rick Cornelison is a retired Stockton teacher and reader of 209 Times. They've mastered the art of putting something out there that is quick. You get it and it's done. And it's 
it, you don't have to click on anything else. You don't have to subscribe. You don't have to put your email in every time. He says he initially started turning to it because it offered breaking news that wasn't being covered by the record in an easy-to-access format. He adds he has been disturbed that some of the information they put out isn't factual. He's fact-checked some of their articles and found inaccuracies. But at the end of the day, he continues to read them. Mike Fitzgerald is a former columnist for the record. He says 209 Times is a problem because it's spreading disinformation. You're going to see this all over the country. As print journalism declines and everybody's on the internet, more and more charlatans, they're going to get websites. You won't know who they are necessarily. It's going to be writ small in a thousand communities across America. In the past few weeks, one alternative has emerged. It's called Stocktonia. Philip Merlot is a local historian and the founder and says his website isn't meant to challenge 209 times, but he did see a news hole. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if anybody's unbiased. Um, you know, uh, I think I think the truth is that no journalism of, is objective. All good journalism should be fair. And I think that that's you know, what, what I'm really interested in. Merlot hopes to grow the website in the coming month. But if you're a Stockton resident who cares about the news, where you find it can still be a bit of an unknown. For The California Report, I'm Sarah Mises-Tan in Stockton. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of The California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Let's turn to immigration. In California, more than 2 million immigrants are eligible to become U.S. citizens. But starting tomorrow, applicants for naturalization will have to take a new civics test that is longer and potentially harder to pass. KQD's Farida Javala Romero reports. One requirement to become an American citizen is to show knowledge of U.S. history and government. The Trump administration is doubling the length of the test from 10 to 20 questions, and the list of possible questions people need to study will also increase. 
to 128. We think that it's a way to discourage people to apply for citizenship. Betsy Garcia is with the Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights in Los Angeles. She says the changes will make it harder for older applicants who have more trouble memorizing information and for those with limited English. As it is, many of our applicants, they feel very anxious about going to the test. The acting head of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, Ken Cuccinelli, has said the agency agency revised the test to ensure it keeps pace with adult educational standards and remains meaningful. But Diego Iñiguez Lopez with National Partnership for New Americans says it's one of several Trump administration policies to restrict citizenship. It's part of a larger attempt to exclude immigrants from the concepts of democracy and political representation. Also this fall, officials tried to dramatically increase the cost of applying for citizenship, but a federal court in California blocked the changes. Iñiguez Lopez and other advocates are asking President-elect Joe Biden to keep the current test in place. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. And finally, good news for students applying to University of California campus. Because of an online power outage it was experiencing, UC is extending the deadline for applications from today, Monday, to Friday of this week. But now that the system is back up and running, UC is advising prospective students not to procrastinate and to get their applications in as soon as possible. And that's the California Report for Monday, November 30th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about healthcare. On the web at chcf.org voices. The law firm Perkins Coie, a trusted legal advisor to innovative companies and industry leaders throughout California and the world. Learn more at PerkinsCOIE.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together. On the web at SchmidtFutures.com. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.